Hello, Luann, and thank you for joining me on Jordy Happiness Hero. Luann Rose is one of my dear, dear friends for, oh, geez, ever a long time. I don't know if I want to say how long because that just really ages me. (laughs) (laughs) That's been over two decades. It's Mm -hmm. been a long time. And Luann Rose is also the author of the book, The Ugly Side of Hope, A Journey Through Infertility. And we're going to discuss that a little bit today, as well as many great and interesting topics. And I thank you so, so much for taking a little bit of time out to chat with me today, Luann. I really do appreciate it. Of course. Happy to be here. After, and she was so patient with me, I forgot to put headphones on, so I couldn't hear her and I had to go rummage through the mess to find headphones. Oh, it was we are closing on our house, supposedly it better be closing on our house on Wednesday morning, and it will be an end of a year of living in other places like Airbnb and with Core's parents and everything in storage and just chaos. A year of chaos is coming to an end, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. And so we're kind of in massive chaos right now. Our whole little Airbnb is just overflowing with crap. And Oh my gosh, what a nightmare. Yeah, it's been fun. And by that, I mean not fun, even a little bit. (laughs) So the way I like to start all of these lovely podcast episodes of mine is I kind of have a, I like it to not be too formatted, but I have a kind of a little flow I go with. Okay. And I like to start by introducing you and giving you a little bit of a chance to introduce yourself, starting with three random facts, just random They can be silly. They can be whatever you want. Three random facts to help us get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Um, Well, first of all, an easy fact about me is uh, I love all things Disney. Um, Disneyland is my home away from home. Same. (laughs) I even have like a half sleeve tattoo down my arm of all Disney things. Mm, It's pretty amazing. Um, Next, let's see. I am a grown adult, but I'm still absolutely afraid of the dark. Um, I was telling my husband the other day that I have to have water by my bed at night because I'm afraid, I am thirsty in the middle of the night, I'm too afraid to walk into the kitchen to get a drink of water. That tracks. Yeah. And let's see, another one. Oh, not a lot of people know this about me, but I used to have a stutter when I was a kid. I had to have speech therapy. It wasn't like the type of stutter where you're like, but like instead I would have so many thoughts in my mind. I couldn't get any noise out of my mouth. And so I would just stand there like a fish out of water. And so, oh. and when I get really, even as in adulthood, when I get really overwhelmed or in really busy, like a lot going on situations, I have to pull in those old speech therapy habits and stop and slow my mind down. And so I can talk. So there you go. Three random well, those are those are great interesting random facts i think i knew that you had had that struggle back in the day i just forgot but it's so common speech i mean speech impediments i for lack of a better description they're very very common they're more common than people think it's like a lot of the struggles that people go through that are they're afraid to talk about it or they're afraid to make it public because they're afraid of the stigma they're afraid of you know looking different but it's actually so much more common than people think it is. And it's so good for you to get out there and say that because it just encourages someone else who's hearing this being like, hey, I can relate to that. Like, yeah. And it's 
what is Louis Capaldi? Louis Capaldi, the artist, and right now it's just going wild on TikTok and Instagram. There's footage at his one of his latest concerts on his tour. He has Tourette's, and in the middle of performing one of his most popular songs, he started having a bad tick, like a bad tick episode. I don't know exactly how you phrase that. I don't know the proper terminology is but he started having these ticks really bad in the middle of his show and his fans were amazing like they just started singing so loud like took over where he could because he couldn't like physically finish his lyrics and they just took over and were singing it for him it's a beautiful video and i loved it because i'm like oh people are gonna see this they're gonna relate to this it's gonna help them not feel so weird not feel so i guess unique in a bad way it's going right. to help them be like, hey, I'm normal. I'm normal. Other people struggle with this. It's just part of life. And he's out making tons of money doing something he's crazy good at. You know, I, yeah. I can still I can still do things. I love that kind of stuff. Yes. I also love Disney. I love <laughs> Disney. I have, I have an insane spreadsheet of podcast episode ideas. <laughs> like over a year's worth of ideas. And on that is you know, Disney themed episodes because I too am a big fan. And so I guess maybe you'll have to come back at some point and we'll talk more Disney because yeah. oh I love Disney. I could talk Disney for hours. So you just let me know. <laughs> I don't have any Disney themed tattoos yet. I'm not out, you know, ruling that out at any by any means, but yeah. and I have never been to Disney World yet, but now that I live so much closer to it, it's on the it's definitely on the short list of things that need to be done. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. soon. All right, definitely. let's see. And that's what your three random things were that Disney and your speech impediment as a kid. And then what was the middle one? Because I know I had some. Oh, afraid of the dark. Yes. I have grown more afraid of the dark as I've gotten older. And this is embarrassing, but like my eyesight is getting worse and worse. And I've <laughs> always had really terrible night vision. I, it's something to do with like just the makeup of my eye because I have very, very fair skin complexion and like pigmentation and all that kind of stuff. And for some reason, I don't know the science behind it, but for some reason, there's even a name, like a pale something that's happening in my eyeball. It makes it oh, to where wow. I'm pretty much blind at night. Like I have night yeah. blindness. Driving at night, not my favorite anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> driving at night in North Carolina when it's raining and stuff and the, the road with the light reflecting. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, I bet. And then just seeing in the dark. So I've grown more afraid of the dark in my old age than I was as a kid. It's it's become more of a problem. It didn't used to be much of a problem. It's becoming yeah. a problem. <laughs> it's not a fun problem to have. Yeah. But everybody's scared of something. Yeah. I'm scared of lots of things. I say scared of something. Oh, I have plenty. Plenty of it. <laughs> plenty of it. Uh, it turns out I'm scared of... I have to decide how explicit I'm going to make this, but it turns out I think I'm scared of peeing because I went to a Studs of Steel show. Uh, my girlfriend's out here decided to take me out to the show uh, <laughs> on Friday night, and I am a 37-year-old woman, and I did not know what to do with myself. The pictures are embarrassing. <laughs> the pictures and videos are so embarrassing, and... I was like freaking out. <laughs> Some people online were like, "Get a hold of yourself!" Like, and the, they saw the pictures. So like, "Get a hold of yourself, Jordan." And I'll, and I, I remember in high school, the boys being like, "It's the prude ones. The prude ones are the ones that are an animal in the bedroom. I, you're going to be so wild. You're going to be so..." No, turns out I'm just no. who I am. Like, I am just a little weenie. Like, hey, there's. I guess there's nothing. There, there isn't anything wrong with that. You can be afraid of peeing. That's okay. 
<laughs> I think I am. Like it, it freaked me. I was I was so uncomfortable. It was oh, funny. funny. Like I could laugh at the humor of it, but I was so wildly <laughs> uncomfortable. And I think maybe for the first time, um, maybe there's someone else who's as weird as me out there that went to one of these shows. But I, this is what I'm telling you. You feel like you're unique. But my one stripper guy, <laughs> at one point, he's like, after I'd been up on stage, and while I was up on stage with him, he had me chained. This is so embarrassing. He had me chained and was like pulling my hair and who knows what. And I'm <laughs> freaking out. And he even like leaned over and was like, I'm not going to go too hard with you. It's okay. Like, it's free. And like, he was like trying to comfort me during this whole thing. <laughs> and then later, he's walking through the crowd doing like lap dances or whatever they were doing. And he walks by me and he like gives me this like smile, like, it's okay. And he like patted my shoulders. And I'm, oh my gosh. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> later, <laughs> later he returned over there and he actually gave me a hug. And I'm like, yep, it's perfectly normal for, for the stripper to feel like they need a hug and comfort. Like one of the, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's amazing though. That's oh amazing. my gosh. Yep. So yeah. that's fun fact about me. I didn't mean to go, go into that, but I guess the moment just arose that I had to yeah. share yeah. that with somebody. Yeah, I don't, I, everybody told me that I would have a wild side and it turns out my wild side is pretty boring. <laughs> She's still pretty prude and pretty, I don't know, what's the term for it now? What's the hip term? I should ask my 14 year old. Vanilla, yeah. is that what they call the girls? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know what the, I don't even know if I'm using that accurately. I don't know. My daughter, she'll always be like, you don't know what that means? And I'm like, no, I don't know what that means. I'm not hip. I wasn't even hip when I was your age. Like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> right. I don't want to be hip. I don't care. I know. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. So that was my fun little experience there. And that's just one of many. You know what? I'm totally afraid of snakes, like deathly afraid of snakes. And maybe that ties in with the peen thing. What I don't know. Yeah, maybe peen is included like... with the, oh gosh, I forgot the term for a phobia of snakes. I'm too tired. I've not slept this week. Oh. It will come to me as like I'll end up randomly yelling it at some point during our conversation because I'll remember the word. <laughs> I definitely don't know the word, so I'm no help. I, I I mentioned it before, and I just don't. I can't remember the. It's a weird word, but I liked it because it was a weird word. Anyway, mm. it doesn't matter. All right, so I always have a quote that goes with the topic of every episode because I love quotes. I love poetry. I love literature. I love that all of those things lyrics it could be a lyric in this case when i was thinking about this episode and the things i wanted to chat with you about and i i, I was still up in the air like two seconds ago about what i was going to name this episode but i think i'm going to go with the name of your book i at first i'm like no i always do that that's too cliche whatever but I, I i love it i think it's perfectly appropriate and the title of your book is the ugly side of hope it's kind of a juxtaposition there because you don't normally think you know, there's an ugly side of hope. Usually it's like, oh, be have hope, be hopeful. But as you go into detail in your book about, about this, there is definitely an ugly side of hope, especially when we're talking about infertility. And this is the journey that you went through. And the quote that I found that just, it spoke to my heart. And I felt like this is the quote that we need for this conversation today. And it is from Andrea Dykstra. I don't know how to say her last name. I'm sorry if she ever hears this. But the quote is, in order to love who you are, you cannot hate the experiences that shaped you. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what I live my life by. So I love that. Oh, so good. Like it resonated with me 
for the things that you shared in your book and the things that I know about your life journey and the things you've been through. Because we've been connected for many years now. Like I said, over two decades, we became great friends in college. And I was pretty stoked when I saw that there's like a little plug for like it may not have said Jody's awesome in the book but like when you mentioned the college party when we destroyed <laughs> destroyed a house I felt real bad about I still feel real bad about that when like the carpet and like the ceilings it sounds really wild but none of us were drinking so it wasn't no. that wild and then we all got in the shower together but we all had our clothes on but it was it's so funny so yeah, funny and it was memory. it was definitely a memory that I still feel very bad for <laughs> but <laughs> but I was pretty excited to see me in the book. I was like, hey, I was there. And even yeah. like the whole like foundations of your relationship and your first marriage and all that kind of stuff. I was like, hey, I was there for all that. I remember all these things. I was I was right along this journey. And then yep. your ex-husband just so happened to be a, a high school friend, a close friend with my husband, the guy that I ended up getting married to. And he ended up being like one of the groomsmen or something at the wedding and so like yep. all of it you were you guys were there for everything and it was all you've been there all you've you've gotten all of my cheesy christmas cards for all of the years i love it i love <laughs> uh, it maybe well last year was kind of sketchy because we were in the middle of a move and i probably missed so many people so who knows if you got it last year but i have an excuse my life was it, chaos i can't remember <laughs> if we did or not but that's okay that's okay Hey, I think we got yours. I remember. I love getting the Christmas cards and I love sending out the Christmas cards or the holiday cards, the non-denominational everything <laughs> celebration cards. I love it. Exactly. Yes, I do too. It's fun. Fun. Aubrey. So to keep me on track because, oh, I'm the queen of tangents. I want to ask you my first question, Luann, in all honesty and in all sincerity this is a no judgment zone i want to know how are you doing for real um so it's funny you asked that today because um <laughs> i'm not having a great day i had surgery last thursday because i have a frozen shoulder joint on my right side and it was so frozen the only option was to go to surgery and manipulate it and then coming out of surgery um it, I've had to be really active and I'm in a lot of pain a lot of time. And because I'm taking a lot of painkillers, I don't feel very good a lot. And this morning I woke up just like extra painful. And so in that part of my life, I'm not, I, I just, I'm not feeling very good today. I'm not feeling very peppy, my normal self. I'm feeling a little defeated. I get kind of stuck in, I don't know, um, mindsets, I guess, that this is my life forever. What I'm feeling right now is my life forever. And I'm really bad at that. And I have to take a break um, and say no. I have a friend who we were Marco Poloing each other and um, she lives in Costa Rica. So we don't, we only talk over Marco Polo. And I was like, well, I'm supposed to give you a good update about my life right now, but I'm on my way to the physical therapist and I'm in a really bad mood. And she Pulled me back and she said, you just have to talk to your, you know, inner Luann child and say, I know it feels like right now, this is forever. And maybe it is going to feel like forever, but you're going to get out of this. And so I've been having to do a lot of that today. But beyond that, I'm doing really good. I um, 
I was actually this morning and last night, I was thinking about how great I have things. Um, my husband is like this amazing guy who loves me and cares for me in ways that are just unbelievable. We have two amazing dogs and it's just like our cute little family and we're working towards some really positive and exciting changes in our future. And um, so even though today I'm not having a great day, I'm doing really well and I'm really, I'm really happy, which is nice because I didn't realize I was missing out on that happy feeling for so long as a part of my life. So, yeah. And that's, that's what this question. is all about. It is a loaded question. <laughs> that's what this whole thing that I, the whole reason I'm even doing this podcast is because there are so many people that don't even realize how much happiness they're missing out on, how much happiness they don't, aren't grabbing for themselves because yeah. they spend so many years being so miserable. And I'm trying to have as many like varied guests from all kinds of walks of life and like just completely different people doing completely different things in their lives, completely different journeys, but all of them, you know, fighting for their own happiness because maybe somebody will listen and they will relate to their, to that person's struggle that, you know, that person will be real for them and they'll be able to say like, Hey, they're fighting for their happiness. I can fight for my happiness too. I yeah. loved what you said about talking to inner child, inner Luann. I've talked a lot about that on here. So good. Cause sometimes we have a hard time having grace with our adult selves yeah. Kind of butt heads with our adult selves, but it's pretty hard to not have pity and sympathy and love for that inner child after knowing everything they've been through and stuff. So yeah. I like that. Yeah, and I like sure. when you think, when you remind yourself that today is not forever. Yeah. Today is not forever. Today is a bad day. Today is not going so well, but today is not forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good. It's hard to get out of that mindset. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've just gotten stuck there, but you just have to yeah. take a deep breath and know today's today. Yes. Today is today. Today is not forever. And yeah. you're not alone in that. You are not alone in that. I feel like everybody has times when they're feeling like they'll never get out of that yuck, yeah. but there's today is always just today. There's always tomorrow. All right. The next thing I want to ask is focusing back on the book. I want to ask you what was the most challenging thing about writing this book and what was the most rewarding thing about writing this book? So they luckily go hand in hand. Um, so the most challenging thing was having to face some pretty big traumas in my life. Um, I say it in the book um, when I go to talk about it, but the most challenging chapter for me to write was when I wrote about an adoption that fell through. And um, just to give your listeners a little bit of a background, my ex-husband and I, I was working at a as a manager um, for um, a Panera Bread, and I was the general manager, and I had two employees there. One employee, the girl, was like my best employee, and she suddenly stopped coming to work, and she wouldn't give us so much information. The other employee was one of my catering employees. And uh, I happened to have a week where I worked with him. And through working with him, I found out that they were dating. Those two employees were dating and they had broken up, but she had gotten pregnant and she was like 19. And um, she was terrified to tell her family. She came from a very traditional 
Asian family and she was very scared to tell her, her parents. And so um, through the series of events, my husband, my ex-husband and I had uh, come, we had decided that we were going to adopt this baby. And um, the girl and I went through a lot of challenges together with that because um, she she was so young and she just like was afraid in general of what was going to happen. And, she, but she had a lot of friends tell her like, we don't think this is the right decision for you. We think that this is like, you're going to be too sad. Um, and then of course I had my natural fears of, is she going to change her mind? All that. And so we would spend, we spent a lot of time texting and talking and kind of working through these fears together. Um, and then um, through a series of events, she did decide to change her mind. And um, I just want to throw out there, like, I never, ha never have been, never will be, ever be mad at her. It was her baby. Like, she has the choice mm. to keep her baby if she wants to. And, um, and she did. And that was, like, the hardest time in my life. So as I was writing the book, um, I knew I was getting closer and closer on this chapter and I was writing every day. And then I got to this point where I was writing only every other day. And then I was writing once a week and then I stopped writing and I realized it's because I was getting close to this point where this is what I was going to have to write about. I was going to have to write about the, probably the most traumatic thing I've ever been through in my life. And I was going to have to relive some feelings that I hadn't faced all the way yet and that I hadn't worked through. And it, it was really scary. And I had to do that through a lot of times in the book, um, especially as, as I was finishing the book. By the time I had finished the book, I was divorced from my ex-husband, who was a big part of the book. And there's um, a lot of emotional ties with that. And, you know, you have to reread it like a thousand times. And even then, nothing's perfect about the about it. And you miss things. But but through writing that, and so that was the hardest challenge, but what the best thing about it was, is um, they say that a really good form of therapy is to write. And so um, I worked through so many grief points and hard points of my infertility, and I worked through a lot of the challenges and and just the hard sticking points of all these things. And not saying that I'm like cured because you can't ever be cured, but um, I definitely feel like a lot better about a lot of these emotions. And I feel like I can face them and think about them without wanting to crawl into a hole and, you know, like yeah. just, yeah. So that, I would say that would be the, that was the most rewarding thing is just being able to work through those things and write about them. <clears throat> and then, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. And then as I've seen the book go out and I've had people reach out to me um, about it to see their reactions and how it has impacted them and helped them has also been tremendously rewarding. I feel like it's very educational. I love books that show me a different perspective that helped me understand beyond the bounds of the constructs of my own experience. And so in this case, infertility was not my struggle. Um, obviously, I popped out three children like 
boom, boom, boom. And then I was like, oh, no more, no more. <laughs> In fact, my first, my first child, my 14 year old, we were using contraceptives and I got, and it wasn't a bad thing at all. Like we hundred percent knew we wanted kids at some point. Like I always knew my whole life since I was like a teeny little kid that I was someday going to be a mom. Like it was something that I always wanted. And so when I found out I was pregnant, even though it wasn't necessarily planned, it was a happy surprise. It was like a good surprise. It wasn't like and we were in a, I mean, financially, we're not in a good place to do this. We were young, way too young to be married, period. <laughs> right. We were too young, too poor, but we were, we were married and we made it work and it was good. And like, there were some really, really rough years, but I, it was great. It was wonderful. It's not my journey to have infertility. That's not something I could really understand or relate to at a deeper level until, I mean, and I still can't, but I can have more sympathy from reading your perspective, from reading the perspective of someone who's going through the throes of it. Um, and I feel like that's one of the beautiful things about literature. Uh, even when I read books for fun, like novels and, you know, my my fun eat em up books, like whatever I'm reading at the time, a lot of times I try to choose books that will introduce me or show me a different perspective than what I, what my experience has been, because then I learn. Um, especially when it comes to, like young adult books, I love reading young adult books that totally show me something else that was not my experience, so I can understand and have some not empathy because I haven't experienced but sympathy. You know, just better yeah. under just understanding, just have understanding because I don't know. A lot of us just choose to live in ignorant ignorance. Just choose. To, it's comfortable just to be ignorant about things. Yeah. It's it's not comfortable to learn how hard somebody else, you know, has that struggle, but it was so good. It's so good to hear like some of the things where you're like, don't say to someone, Oh, come watch my kids because then you won't want kids like that. I mean, duh. Like that seems like a very insensitive thing to say anyway, but that person probably had no malice or like they did not have negative. They probably thought genuinely they were like helping you or like lightening the, lightening the load or something, but really it was so, it's so hurtful. So, so hurtful. And it's good for people to be called out on things that like, you don't realize you're being horrible, but you're being horrible. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny. I even like mention it in the point about like these things that you shouldn't say to people who are infertile. So you and I have a friend who just adopted a baby about a year ago. And, um, I remember when she told me her and her husband were going through times, I remember saying to her, well, you can just adopt. It's no big deal. And it still eats at me every day. Like I, I still think about it often and she probably doesn't even remember that I said it. She might, I'm going to be honest. She might, but it, but it's one of those things. It's like, you just are saying things because you're like thinking, oh, I, I, this is like a really comforting thing to say. And you just don't know. But that's one of the reasons I wrote the book was because it's like, people just don't know. And they're, they maybe don't want to know what you're going through, not because they don't want to know, but because they, you know, like you, you don't want to know that someone's hurting. You don't want that, but you want to understand. And so that you know what to say and you know how to help and you know how to comfort. And so, yeah, but that, that's just one of the things that I thought about when every, every time I've read through my book, I've thought about that line that I've said to our friend and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I mean, it was like a thousand years ago. It was like probably in like 2007 that I said it, but still it eats at me. And I don't know. We're all on a journey of learning. Like yes. 
if I had to rewatch my life on video and see all the horrible things I've said or did just out of ignorance, oh, oh, terrible. <laughs> I don't even like watching myself on like recordings of myself on stage in theater. Like, <laughs> I don't know how I, I don't know how I would do that. But I know I have plenty of, it, especially before I just knew I didn't know better. Yeah. And we're all on a journey of learning. Yeah. Everybody, like we have to have a great deal of compassion for ourselves and a great deal of compassion for other people because everybody's just learning and not, and everybody has a unique experience. And the only way to learn more about other people's experiences is to make the effort to learn about other people's experiences. And some people don't want to, because it's not comfortable always. Right. And it's not, it's educational, but it's not comfortable. Right. Um, but I highly encourage it. I highly encourage it in my, when I'm teaching, I love to expose my sweet kiddos to all kinds of different perspectives that are not theirs. I did, I would do with my eighth graders. I would do a whole unit that I wrote and it was, I mean, primo Luann, this unit I wrote the best of the best for my teaching stuff, but it was about, it was based on the book, a long walk to water, which is actually a very easy read, a very short read. It's grade level wise. I needed it to be low enough because I had a lot of really low readers. A lot of kids are several grades um, behind reading level wise. They needed something accessible in that regard, you know, easy in that regard. But it, but like content wise, what it was about was in, it was good. It was good, juicy stuff. It's about this, these kids who spend every day, all day walking for water. Like they don't have access to clean water. And I brought in giant jugs, just giant jugs. Uh, I can't remember how many gallon mm -hmm. filled them up with water, took them out in the hallway with my kids. And they had these giant jugs of water and I put them onto teams and I'd be like, okay, now your family, you guys are families. Your family has to move this water. However many miles, like it was like an appropriate amount of miles to fit with like the book and stuff and real life for the people who lived in these, these areas. So you have to, so that's this many laps up and down the hallway with these heavy old jugs and so then they'd start going and like they're doing okay and like and especially when they have like a good mix of kids like sharing stuff like okay now wait 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 stop all the boys all the boys like you guys can't do it anymore because you have to go you know to work or to study religion or to do whatever you guys you guys go do that that's your responsibility it's only the girls like it's only the girl and i purposely only had like one on each team or something. Right. So then it was like, I have to carry this giant heavy thing all by myself, all of these miles. And it was fantastic. Like, yeah, was amazing. it comfortable? Was it comfortable? No. Was it eye opening? Yes. And I, I loved it. Yeah. Love. I love, love, love. Even, even if it makes you uncomfortable, learn about a different perspective because you'll be better for it. You'll be better for it. And you'll be able to love other people and spread happiness and kindness and just good light better if you understand more right absolutely absolutely so and i do have a little snippet of the book that's going to go right back to what we talked about in the beginning when i told you i wasn't having an explicit episode but i guess it's going to be a little bit explicit <laughs> but uh, i'll get to that in a minute okay while we're talking about books because i just talked about how your book puts a perspective out into the world that a lot of people do not haven't experienced and it's so good because it's good for the people that are experiencing it because it makes them feel not so alone but it's right. great for the people who've never experienced it because it makes them more understanding it makes them just i feel like a better human to understand more perspectives and so what books have changed your life the most luann because i feel like you don't just 
one day write a book without having books that changed your life? No. So the book that changed me the most probably is called The Girl with Seven Names. Um, it's a story of a girl. Um, it's a bibliography, autobiography, autobiography of a girl who um, escaped from North Korea. Wow. And she actually did it by accident. She didn't even realize that she was escaping what she was escaping. She just was like crossing the river to go to her aunt's house in China, like that it, that type of thing. Like it was, um, but she ended up living this insane life because of it. And um, just listening to her story and reading her story and understanding um, what she went through really spoke to me, not because I escaped from North Korea, because I definitely didn't, but just knowing like struggles with her identity and we all struggle with our, our own identity at different times in our lives. And mm -hmm. it just, it, it, I, it's one of the books that I just recommend to everyone. It was, I work in, I used to work in airports and it was like left at one of my restaurants and I was like, hmm, what is this book? I'm going to read it. And it was, it was so good. I recommend it to anyone who, um, Ooh, maybe somebody left it on purpose. Maybe they're like, I'm going to leave this here because the world's going to, the universe is going to make sure it lands in the hands of somebody who needs to hear this story. And it's going to be, that's what I like to think about the book I lost on my last big trip because I did not want to lose it. I was like <laughs> one chapter from the end no. and I dropped it. I dropped it somewhere between my car and security. It was oh, Radical Love by Zachary Levi, by the way. And then I just had my daughter's like, mm, the universe, the universe will make it so that whoever finds it is supposed to happen. Like whoever yes. finds it's going to need the stuff it says. And I'm like, this is a great way to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and actually that specific book that I got, I passed on to my uh, father-in-law. My mother-in-law read it. My father-in-law read it. And I, I even think that it has even been like that specific book has been passed on to other people. So I love that. It's great. I love it. I love it. And so, I love that it was a book that taught you about a perspective that you knew nothing. Like it was not your experience at all. It was no. totally out of the constructs of what your human experience had been. I love that. But like, I, I feel like there's so much that I could relate to because I've struggled with my identity so many times in my life. And so, yeah, the other book that I read that really changed me was Educated. Oh, I love that book. Oh, we can't oh. even start. We can't even start, <laughs> but we can, but we can't. I love that book. Um, my father-in-law recommended it to me. Um, he read it after my mother-in-law uh, passed away and he was going through a lot because you go through a lot, obviously when your wife of a thousand years dies and um, we, and he had flown out to Houston to visit my ex-husband and I and was like, he like gave it to me. He's like, you have to read this book. And I started reading it. He even like bought it for me. So it would arrive to the house before he left. And um, that book changed my life. E like even in ways that I don't think she even realized she was going to do for me. I was so um, captivated by it just because of her story and what she's gone through. I live in Idaho. I grew up in Idaho. She grew up not that far from me. We grew up in the same religion. Um, we both had religion crisis, crises, um, trying to find our identity in that. And um, even though I didn't grow up in the type of home that she did, 
I know people that grew up in homes like that. And it just, it was so relatable and so good. And then um, I remember I was so like captivated by her. I like Googled like Tara Westover. Like I just like wanted to hear. And she was being interviewed by someone and they were like, oh, so in your book, you talk about your beautiful singing voice and we want to hear it. And so she started singing the Mormon hymn, Come, Come Ye Saints. And I saw that interview. <laughs> and so, and um, at this time, I was going through this, like, it, it was um, during a time and like, I really don't want to make anything about anything, but it was during a time when I was leaving in the middle of leaving the LDS religion and trying to stand on my own two feet and become my own person. And there was something about that interview and hearing her sing that hymn that helped me understand a really big part of that for me. It For me, it was like a defining moment of I'm doing the right thing and I'm I'm living and breathing on my own. And, um, and so it's so funny to me because it, it doesn't really have anything to do specifically with the book, but it's just after reading her story and her experience and then watching that interview it just for me kind of came full circle and just really resonated with me so i love yeah, that book. i loved that too i love that book that but i've recommended it to so many people i did a whole college uh intensive book study on that book because i love that book it's like a continuing continuing education credits um i've sent like i said i've sent it to people i it's so good it's so inspiring and I loved that interview too. I love that she wasn't afraid and she she'll come out and say this like she's like, yeah, I, I don't associate with the LDS church anymore. Like it's not part of who I am now, but I'm not going to be out here just spreading hate about it. Like I, this is not right. an anti-Mormon book. I'm not going to be out here. And, and it's part of who she is. It's part of her experience. It's part of her past. It's part of who she was. And so when they asked her right on hand to sing something because that's something that's referenced in the book is her singing voice when they asked her to sing something she had to sing something she knew off the top of her head and what does she know off the top of her head hymn. mormon hymns yeah. because that's that's what she grew up singing like she did she didn't grow up with the radio she didn't grow up with the all the musical theater that i so <laughs> so listened to so much about like i so much musical theater that's not that wasn't in her repertoire she didn't know but she and she wasn't afraid to just sing come come ye saints yeah and i kind of did the same thing i got talked into auditioning for the hunchback of notre dame uh -huh. the musical which is a beautiful musical the music is so hard it's all in latin Ew. but i had not prepared anything to audition for it because i was having like a confidence crisis and i was going through a really rough time like depression wise and so i didn't like i didn't wasn't feeling brave i wasn't feeling like i could do it anyways but i got talked into it by my good friends who i love so much at the theater and they sent me in to audition for it last minute with no preparation i had nothing to sing i just went in there like they're just just sing a song you know just sing a hymn and so i went in the room unprepared completely and saying how great thou art and because i knew all the words i yeah. knew the song i still yeah. think it's a beautiful song i think it's beautiful i have no qualms that i went in that room and sang and then i got to do the show and it was a beautiful show it was a heavy show and it was a very hard time in my life to be doing <laughs> such a heavy show but it was it's part of who you are like right. even if you it's part of who you were made like i don't know it made that experience help make you and build you and form you into who you are and maybe it's not how you identify anymore maybe it's not who you are anymore but right. it doesn't mean you have to like completely 
disregard all of it. Right. I, I like to take the good from wherever I get the good and kind of move away from the not so good, the stuff that's not serving me and not helping me serve others, you know, not, it's not like bringing that. me happiness. It's not helping me spread happiness. I'm not going to use it. I don't feel like, especially when it comes to my kids, if I don't feel like it's <laughs> going to, you know, be the best for their happiness for the rest of their lives or anything like that, like, or the healthiest or the anything like that, I'm going to do what I can to not. Yeah. But they also can make their own choices is that, you know, I'm not going to force anything upon them either. Right. Oh, I guess so. Tangents. Luann, you brought up <laughs> Educated. I told you, I love that book. Well, it's so good. It's so good. It is so good. This is a plug. I have not been paid for this plug whatsoever. <laughs> I wish people paid me for things, but <laughs> we're not at that point yet. Yeah. If you want to be a producer of my show, please let me know. If you want to <laughs> advertise, please let me know. Happiness, happiness hero podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> okay, but the plug for Educated by Tara Westover, I don't even care if it's a free plug. This is my free plug. Luann, Luann Rose seconds this. Yes, yes. <laughs> Go read Educated by Tara Westover. Do it. It's a goodie. Yes. All right. And then I'm going to click on over here and see, because I got so distracted on that tangent. Oh, I want to know, what goals are you pursuing right now? Because you accomplished the amazing goal of writing this book and putting it out there. Now, what, what goal are you pursuing? So, um, the biggest goal we're pursuing right now is adoption. We actually uh, started the adoption process officially um, a couple months ago. In the state of Idaho, you can't adopt until you've been married legally for a year. Um, and so, oh, uh, although my husband and I have been together for quite a few years, and we've lived together for a couple of years, we've only, it will be a year on March 31st. Um, Oh, happy anniversary almost. Thank you. So we um, we were able to start the process because there's so much you have to do. And my caseworker has, a, said, has said that the best thing to do is to make it so that everything's ready to go. And so that on April 1st, that rubber stamp is there to just hit and we can put our profile up on the web and yeah. you know, make it official. And so we've been working through that, which it's, it's not hard. It's just a lot. Like it's a lot of little steps. Yeah. And it's stupid. A lot of red tape. Yes. But, um, but we're getting through it. We're getting through it. We've actually officially have submitted everything and just have two more hours of education left. And then comes the in home, like they come into our home and they interview us and, you know, make sure that Mm -hmm. we're not killing children on our yeah you know we don't want to send kids into that no so um we're working towards that goal right now um a less exciting goal but it's exciting is we're working on finishing our basement so i can put my office downstairs and we have a um, room for a child you don't even know how much that excites me like in a non-sexual <laughs> way i love i've told you i'm making this all explicit it's not supposed to be I love do-it-yourself. I love all that kind of stuff. In our house that we're buying, we get, we're technically not supposed to do like anything for 11 months or else you void the builder's warranty. That's going to kill right. me because I already know a million things that I want to do. Yeah. So I don't think that's a boring thing. I think finishing <laughs> your basement is hella exciting. It is exciting. It is. <laughs> it made me all tingly like, ooh. <laughs> and it'll be, it'll be nice to have it done. We're not, we're not finishing all of it. We're finishing all but one room and uh, it, it'll be nice. It'll be nice. Um, 
And then I, I think those are really, that's really the big things that I'm working towards right now. Um, nothing really like work-wise or anything. So those are the big things, but the adoption is a pretty big thing. Yeah, it's huge. And so, I mean, it's a big journey, but it's going to be so, I don't know, my heart feels full when I think of that for you. Thank you. It's, Thank you. It's amazing. Good. I have exciting. a friend that in Pocatello that teaches the classes, like the education classes to help oh, really? people. Uh, she, her, her family's adopted like a lot of kids. Like she had a lot of kids and then they adopted a lot of kids. So like, there's a lot of kids. They like had to buy one of those special vans, you know, to like yeah. <laughs> drive the kids around. And I love them. They're such a, they're a powerhouse. They're a great family. Oh, what good people. Mm -hmm. They're, they're wonderful. They know who they are. I was going to like throw out their name, but I won't without their permission, but they know who they are. They're fantastic. <laughs> All right. Let's see. I want to make sure I don't miss anything. Oh, this one's a goodie. What's one idea, especially in regards to infertility, what's one idea that you think the majority of people get wrong? The big, when it comes to infertility, the thing that people get wrong, number one, it, without even thinking, is if you just relax, it will happen. The people... Yeah say that all the time. They think that even if they know about your struggles and they know um, what you're going through, they still think it's just because you're trying too hard. You just have to relax. You're going to get pregnant. Everything's going to be fine. I can't even tell you how many times in my life I've been told that. Um, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard people say it to other people. Um, it is unbelievable. Even when I say to people, I do not have any more eggs. I have already gone through menopause. It is impossible for me to become pregnant. They go, you don't know. You don't know. <sighs> and, and tied in with that because I am, you know, mixed with a lot of religious people. And I don't want to bash any prayer or talk with whatever God you believe there may or may not be. I, I'm not here for that. But a lot, of, a lot of people mix in with that. You really should just pray. If you just pray and relax everything will be fine and um it's it's wrong it's wrong you i think there is some sense in that i think there are some people out there that maybe are thinking too much about it and are you know in those first like three to six months are like a little worried about it and they're too in their head about it i that's maybe a possibility i don't know i can't say i'm not any of these people i'm just myself but I will say that anyone going through um, infertility and is having a hard time getting pregnant, relaxing is not the answer. That's not even medically possible. Um, yeah. There are lots and lots and lots and lots of things that could be going wrong. Um, and it could be something easy and it could be something as hard as what I have where I just don't have any more eggs. And so um, it, it could be anything. And so that that's it. It's like, just relax and pray or not, or maybe think about it because maybe you do need to go to the doctor and maybe the sooner you go to the doctor, the better your, um, your chances are of getting pregnant. And for, you know, Clomid, which is one of the first medications they put you on, it's going to work, you know, like you don't know. So it, it's a, don't relax about it. Think if you're worried about it, then go talk to someone about it. Don't relax. Absolutely. And that's the same in anything. Go talk to a professional yeah. because there is value. I feel like I have, I grew up in, or I came from the same religious kind of background and I left the same religious kind of background, 
But I still think there's value in prayer and that it is meditation. It helps ground you. It is, you know, like it can be good. And I'm not saying it's not good in other ways either. But like for me, like prayer could be good in like the fact that it's meditation. It's grounding. It's peaceful. It's It helps you, you know, ground yourself. And that's very yes. important. Yeah. Um, I also still feel like the mantra that I mantra. Ooh, I'm starting to talk like I'm from the South. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to feel like something that. In the LDS church, we were always like taught you hear like faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. I've taken that into my non-religious lifestyle, my non-religious belief system, because just believing something's going to happen is not going to make it happen. It's not like if right. you want something to happen, you got to work towards making it happen. Like it's yes. not just going to there's no magic out there. You got to work. Yes. Work, 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 work. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's time could be stuck in my head. You've spent enough time with me that you know. You know. <sighs> this is how my brain works. And it's... <laughs> I like it. And the older I get, it just keeps getting worse. Core, yeah. my husband, is insistent that I have ADHD and just it's been undiagnosed my whole life. And I'm like, hmm, that tracks. <laughs> like, yeah. Probably, but it's fine. Yeah. You're probably right. <laughs> All right. So we're getting, what have I missed? What have I missed? Oh, the big thing from the book I wanted to read and ask you about. Okay. I almost forgot. I'm glad I wrote it down because I could told you this and the tangents. <laughs> like if I don't write down some kind of guiding ideas of the things I know I want to ask, then I go on tangents and I forget. <laughs> okay. So this part of the book, page 132, if anybody's interested. <laughs> In this part of the book, you are talking about the experience of going through infertility on the sex life of you and whoever your partner is mm -hmm. in this case it was you and your ex-husband but you're talking about what it does what what the journey of infertility and what that struggle does to your sex life and i'm gonna go ahead and read and quote you if that's okay yes please do at some point in the process, sex goes from a great way to blow off steam, a wordless way to express love to your spouse, a deeply emotional experience that takes you and your partner away from the world and allows you to connect and be together to something else. It takes those amazing things and turns it into a regiment that is not fun, exciting, spontaneous, or sexy. It becomes a chore. Like, And so I... And I, I think that this is something that people, even some people who may not struggle with infertility, but just have been struggle with sexuality in their marriage, especially if they're from religious backgrounds and things like that, they're going to relate to these kind of things. You know, it's like you relating to the book with the girl who escaped from North Korea, even though you couldn't relate to her journey on every level, you related to her identity struggles. There's a lot of people, especially coming from religious backgrounds who struggle with that same thing in their sex lives and it's probably only compounded and worsened by infertility and struggling with infertility um did that struggle of going through that process and like there's just no i i can imagine it'd be like there's just no point in having sex anymore like it's this chore yeah did that do you think that is one of the many contributing factors that helped you know lead to the ultimate end of your first marriage like yeah. do you think that your infertility struggles like they contributed to that so that's a 
another really loaded question. Um, so I, I just want to start before I even go into this by saying that my ex-husband and I are still good friends. We still talk on the phone. We still catch up. I went down to Texas for some work and spent four hours with him so I could also spend four hours with my dog. And I had a wonderful time. <laughs> and so I just want to start by saying that. Um, we got married really young. I was 19. Um, you should strap your daughters to their beds if they say they want to get married and they're only 19. But, um, and he was 21. And we, um, and so already, because of the religious background that we came from, um, there is already that struggle of, of sex. Um, you go from sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, to you need to be having sex with your spouse. And so already there, we started off on a rocky road um, and then adding to this and just like men and women being so different and when it comes to that. And I'm being very general in that sense. And I understand that, you know, it, it's different for everyone, but I'm going to be very general that a lot of men are very sex driven and a lot of women are very emotional driven. And so um, when it came to infertility and adding in that roadblock that you read, um, and even when you read it, I, I am taken back to memories of times where I just felt like that and I felt so um, overwhelmed by our sex life. And um, I can say that without a doubt, um, because of the already religious impact and then the infertility ad, that was a a, probably the biggest contributing factor to our divorce. And um, the fact that we just couldn't get past this, like, needed emotional connection in a marriage. If you're, I mean, I know there are asexual partners out there that don't have sex, but we aren't asexual people. And so it's, for us, it, it, it was both needed very much. And it, and it was very very challenging to have such different views of what sex was and you feel so useless already as a human you're like i'm a useless woman because you when you can't have kids um and so oh, especially in that background yeah like that exactly yeah and so then adding in this like that's all sex is good for that's why we have sex is to procreate I, I don't know. It just is it's so layered, but it really was probably the biggest factor in the our divorce. Oh, Sorry, so rough. Michael for saying that. <laughs> he's probably like, not not that he's necessarily listening to this episode, but he's like, oh God. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> mm, he's good. You're good, right, Mike? Yeah. You're good. He's good. <laughs> this is important stuff to get out there because yes. I'm telling you, this is the stuff that people are going to relate to. And especially coming from the same kind of I mean, like I said, not infertile, but like coming from the same kind of I got married way too young. I was 21. I was on the other end, but I was still way too young. And I was someone I barely knew. Yes. And I rushed right into it. I had never uh, had any sex before. You know, I first time it was ever attempted on her wedding. I cried like I kicked him like full force, both my legs underneath him, kicked him off of me. Like I screamed like it kicked him off of me, like flew him off of me. And I was like, and then I just bawled and bawled and I felt like I was broken. And then I felt like I was like not doing my wifely obligation or I was like, I, like I messed everything up. Like it was, 
it was terrible. I spent my first, my wedding night, I cried myself to sleep. Let's uh, just throw that out there. Yeah. That's well, what I did. I, I and, think that's relatable it, it coming from a religious background. Yeah, because it's so, it's a, I'm probably gonna have to mark this as explicit anyway, because it, it talks about sex so much, but I don't know. Is that explicit? I don't know. I don't know. It's a mind, like, I don't, I'm scared to say the F word. I'm scared to say the, it's not that I've never said it in my personal life, but I'm a little <laughs> bit afraid to say the F word on the air, yeah. but it's a mind F. It's a mind F. Like you go through this mind F yeah. and of no sex, no sex, no sex, no necking, no, 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 like naughty, 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 naughty to like, I, I, I called my sister crying the next morning and she's like, why are you calling me on your honeymoon? And, but I didn't know who else to call. And I was like, is it supposed to hurt? Like nobody told you anything. Like I was not no. prepared for anything. No. They don't tell you it's messy. They don't tell you it hurts. They don't tell you that you don't like snuggle in the wet spot. Like none of that. Like no one says anything to you about anything. You are no. going to have marked this as explicit because I just said that. <laughs> hey, maybe I'll get more <laughs> listeners because of that. <laughs> He'll be like, yeah. <laughs> and maybe I need to do a whole episode just on that topic in the future. Like, let's talk I, about sex. Yeah. Especially let's talk about sex. If you come from a religious background like we did yes. and your sex life has been not what you imagine it should. I hate should. Quit shitting all over yourself. But like, it's what it feels like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, is your, I need to have a sex therapist on here. I need to find one and yeah. I, we need to have a good chat. And I'd listen to it. Over but I can see, I can, I'm, I'm happy for you. And I'm like proud of you that you saw that that was not right. That you saw that it was not working, that you saw that it was not serving you and you were not happy and that you were brave enough to do something about it. Because a lot of people in our situation, Luann, never do anything about it. They live their whole lives, their whole marriages, their whole everything unhappy because they don't feel like they can do for themselves what will make them happy, what will serve them. I know. And I, I am proud that I did it. I will say that it took a year of very intense therapy, but it took a year of therapy. I went to therapy because I had gone to the gynecologist and I used to, when I go to the gynecologist and I would leave, I would have like an emotional breakdown. Like I would like sob hysterically because people would be there pregnant with their babies and babies all over everything. And I would sob and I left a ther my gynecologist and I found a therapist in my car while I was sobbing because I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And Oh, good job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, from that year of therapy, I found myself and I found um, the ways that I had not put myself first. And that that's not selfish. I think, and I still struggle with that. Like it's selfish to put yourself first, but it's not, it's important. Like you're an important person and there's times when you shouldn't put yourself first, but it's like small little things. Like, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but in reality, you're an important person. Like mm -hmm. me, I'm an important person. And so, um, so it, it took a, a year of therapy for me to get there. And now, you know, as I'm dealing with the emotions that come with um, adoption with a family who's never experienced infertility, which is like a whole other can of worms. Um, but it's amazing to see um, since I have such a positive sex life now and I have such like a positive Good relationship and a positive um, good communicative 
communicative relationship with my partner, how infertility just doesn't affect that part of my life anymore. It, I mean, I'm still affected by it and I still feel sad about it. And I still have days when I like feel defeated, but it doesn't encroach on my sex life anymore. It's amazing. That is good. And that, uh, everything you just talked about is going to be what somebody hears and it gives them hope. It gives them a reason to keep trying and to keep fighting for their own happiness. Yes. Like that's what being a happiness hero is. It's not having superhuman abilities. It is, it's not being stronger than anyone else. It's realizing, hey, I can take control. I can make choices and fight for my own happiness. Yes. And like there is hope for it. And even though you say there's an ugly side of hope, there's still hope. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so hope good. is good and important. Yeah. So good. And I'm so proud of you. Again, I keep telling you I'm proud of you, but I'm so proud of you once again. And I'm so glad that you shared that when you were crying in the car right afterward and you immediately got seeked out sought out seeked out oh my gosh Ooh, <laughs> i go back to school you immediately acted and sought out therapy and sought out a professional to help you uh, that is huge yeah. so many people are so scared to do that and that is huge that that is what you did i am so glad so glad that you chose in that moment to be brave and to get a professional to help you. That is so good. Yeah. It's uh, something I'd recommend to anyone. It's so, it's not easy. No. no. I'm not, not promising anyone that it's ever just going to be so easy or so fun, but it's worth it. And it's tough work sometimes, but it, if you ultimately are in this to fight, to find your happiness, it is important. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. I heard a really great, it was my days are blending together because I'm not sleeping. But yesterday morning, I was listening to the Mel Robbins podcast, and she was interviewing someone. I don't even remember the girl's name. I feel really bad. But she said something so profound, and it was that nobody starts with confidence. Nobody starts – like, confidence comes with experience, like, years of experience and success and, like, time. It's, what people start with is courage. Like, you have to start with courage, and the confidence will come later. I and I was that. like, oh. So good. Yeah. So, so good. Accurate. Have courage and then late work towards that confidence. Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Louie, it's been so long since I've seen you and talked to you. I know. Um, it's too long, and I'm glad that I got to spend some time with you today. I appreciate you so much coming and and talking to me about your journey and your book. And I hope. All of my, how can they support you? How can the listeners who do hear this, how can they support you? So um, you can support me by buying my book. My book is available on Amazon. Um, Just type in The Ugly Side of Hope. Um, Sometimes you have to add a journey through infertility in there. Um, You can also go to bookbaby.com. And that's all one word, obviously, bookbaby.com. And you can search book through there. That's who I publish through. Um, And you can purchase it straight to your home unfortunately they only are uh there's no hardback available which is sad but um i would really encourage you to read the book because i guarantee you that someone you know is struggling with infertility i guarantee it whether they're doing it silently or not 
there definitely is. And if you yourself are struggling with it, or if you're at the beginning stages where you're like, it's been like three months and, or it's been six months. And I just, I'm worried, like just buy the book because at any part of your infertility struggle, you're going to be able to relate to some aspect of what I went through. And you're just going to be able to feel normal. And in a time when you feel like you're an alien on a different planet, who is a useless woman and human being, you will read that and say, okay, I'm not like, I'm normal. This is normal. What I'm feeling is normal. And, um, it's okay. So that those are the places where you can buy it. And I would encourage you to do so. And not just because I wrote it, but because I, I want you to read it. Yes, that's great. And I want you to read it too. I want you to read any book that helps you widen your perspective because it just makes you a more well-rounded human being and more able to feel of love and give of love and feel of light and give of light. And yes, we all deserve happiness. So Yes. It's important. Yes. The last thing I always do on my podcast every episode is I have a ritual. Okay. I live right by the Marine base right now and the helicopters fly by all the time. So if you can hear that really loud noise, that's a helicopter going right over the Airbnb. I thought you were going to say that a bunch of shirtless Marines were running by your window. (laughs) That happens sometimes too. Maybe not right by my window, but I mean, when you're driving places, you do, you definitely see that. (laughs) but if you're me it's just awkward (laughs) as we learned in the beginning of the podcast (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm like oh no they're they're like the age of some of my former students i can't think they look so handsome running there with their shining pectorals okay dirty wait a minute there was a time when you me and brooke went to vegas and we put our hands all over that thunder from down under guy you did that I, we I know. Laughing, but I think was really. I squealing and giggling? Probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Anyways, okay, I'm sorry. So my ritual. Oh, you're good. <laughs> my ritual at the end of every episode is that I have everybody put their hands over their chest, over their hearts, technically over here, but over on their chest, and feel their hands there, and say, "I am loved. I am loved. I am enough. I am enough." And I'm going to add one more. I matter. I matter. I love that. You sit there, feel it, remind yourself. Thank you so, so much for agreeing to be with me here for an hour today. Thanks for inviting me. And for sharing your story because people benefit from hearing other perspectives. And go out there. Keep fighting for your happiness. Keep doing it. And when you get all through that journey in that fight for adoption bring that baby out this way that child that i don't know what age that baby will be but bring him out this way let's go to disney world let's go to the beach yes i'm down with that all righty all right thanks jordo hey thank you Bye. Bye. bye